Dave, what's happening, man? It's another episode of Black and White Men Talking. How are you doing today? You know what, Leslie? You're awesome. But but me, if I was any better, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> you know, Dave, I, I just knew you were going to say that. You know, leave it to you, leave it you, leave it to you to be cliche, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, I, I thought about something and I said, most people are probably still trying to figure out how did these two guys that couldn't be more different get together? So you want to tell that story? How it began? <laughs> well, I tell you, it's a funny story. You say, you know, couldn't be more different, but you're right. In so many ways, we are extremely different, but we also have a lot of things in common. And that's going to be our main theme, I think, as we go through life together and our show and as, as we go on, but we were at a conference in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, we were sitting, I think we were at the same table. Maybe. I mean, it was a big, convention. no, we, we, we actually weren't. I didn't even, in fact, I didn't even know you guys were there. Cause I was kind of sitting away on the other side. I think you was on the other side of the room. It was at lunch. At you lunch. Guys came up and invited me to join you all. And, uh, so you, that was that was a great bridge builder. You guys actually came to me and saw that I was alone, and uh, and and I, that's where it started. Well, actually, we were over there and we said, "Hey, look at that guy. He looks like he's got loads of money. Let's ask him <laughs> for lunch. Ask him to go to lunch, and then we'll see if he'll buy." <laughs> strategy, strategy. No, I I I remember, and 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 let me just shape this. You know, when you think about it. It's not unusual for a black professional to go to a conference, particular black man, and 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 if there's not a lot of other black men there, to be um, kind of isolated. Like you, you got people at your table, but you can always tell at lunchtime people kind of scatter or whatever. And so it's not uncommon. So we get very comfortable uh, by ourselves. I mean, not that we prefer to be, but but. Um, you know, we make our attempts to reach out, but I think it was just, it was, we can often tell very quickly whether somebody is genuinely trying to connect with you or mm -hmm. if it's something else. And so when you, you guys, came, to it, was, it was genuine. It was like, <laughs> you know, it was, it, it was crazy. And uh, that's where it started. I mean, we had a wonderful conversation and then we went to the same table after yeah. that. Okay. Together. Okay. Um, and we've been we've been together ever since. And that was, I want to say that was 2018, maybe 18 or 19. 18 or 19. No, yeah. I think, yeah, 18 or 19. So I, I'm pretty sure I want to say it was 18. Yeah, I'd have to go back. I I tell you, I, sometimes my memory, sometimes I'm really sharp, and then other times I'm just tree stump stupid. <laughs> Well, I can go a lot of places with that one, Dave. Slide on that one right now, but no. I, I, so that's that's essentially how we met, and yeah, uh, it was right. it was not only Dave, but it was it was Greg and Armando um, that that formed a mastermind that we created, and we've been together ever since. Well, well, that was your fault. That was my fault. Yes. Let me tell you something, and that was so awesome. I remember that just like it was yesterday. Remember, we went to lunch. Uh, there we were at the factory, which was kind of an uh, it was an old um, whirlpool or something uh, factory mm -hmm. where they made uh, washing machines or whatever, Frigidaire maybe I don't know. Well, 
they had remodeled it. It's really pretty cool. Yeah. And they had a few restaurants in there. And we went upstairs to that one restaurant. And there was four of us, you know, Greg Vance and Armando Garcia. And uh love those guys. And then yeah. and you and we all four, you know, said, hey, you want to go to lunch? And we're like, sure. And we all went up there together. There's just the four of us. And we were sitting there and we were just talking about kind of our lives and, you know, some of our families and our goals and different things. And, and, and then you, Leslie, you know, we talk about these masterminds, you know, and how you help each other, you know, how you kind of work together and, 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 you know, and just kind of brainstorm and, and have these masterminds. And you said, well, why don't we just have a mastermind? Why us, us four, why don't we just start a mastermind? And we're, we looked at each other like, well, heck yes. Sounds like a good idea. Let's do it. Yeah. And from then on, I mean, like clockwork, we've been. Well, let me just say this. From then on, uh, two books published by Dave Wisworth. <laughs> uh, you need to go check them out. Uh, they're available at Amazon and all, all the other places you get books. I haven't given you the name of them. A third book that's coming pretty soon. I know in 2023. Yep. And believe it or not, Leslie Peters will have the book out in 2023. I'm, I'm putting it out right now. So, so now all of you in the whole world will get to hold me accountable to that because Dave has been on me about that uh, forever. So it will be out in 2023. Dave is going to share to make sure that happens as well as you all. But, but when we talk about that journey, I remember Dave just had the thought that he could possibly write a book, but he, yeah. But I, I am confident in saying without that mastermind and push, those books don't happen. Uh, I think it was collective thought of us just really pushing the greatness out of each other. Um, and and once he started, man, I mean, like one book, two book, three book. I'm like, I, got to, I really got to get my butt going. So, um, hey, you know you're bad if I make you look bad. You're really <laughs> sucking wind, you know? <laughs> I think, you know, I think that's the beauty of it. And so one of the things I remember telling these guys when I met them, I said, listen, and this may sound harsh, but I, I was really direct at this point. And so I want to give you, I want to take you inside just the mindset of this particular black guy uh, at that time. And my perspective was, I said to you guys, look, guys, I really like you, but I'm only interested in building genuine friendships where we can have real conversation about tough issues right. and still love each other. Right. Um, I'm not interested in surface. I'm not interested in playing friends for the cameras or for social media. And yet, we don't talk to each other anytime outside of that. And 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 that if one of us need each other, we, we, we can't call the other one. I'm not interested in that. And so generally, guys, when I come off that strong, uh, people usually just shut down. They shut down and I'd like that's 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 the end of the conversation, particularly if they if they're white men, they just shut down, they don't want to deal with it. So that's what I was expecting. Yeah, that's not what I got. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get rid of me that quick, that easy. Man, Armando Garcia, <laughs> Greg Vance, and Dave Wadsworth was like, that's exactly what we're looking for. Yeah. I yep. said, what? <laughs> I said, really? I was, you're supposed to run off right, right about this. That, that was your cue. I said, no, no, no. We really want to become better men, become better Christians, become better people. Yeah. Through each other's shared experiences, because we realize we don't know everything and I don't understand what it's like to be a black male. I, and, and I remember one of the first conversations 
Dave and I, you and I talked about since we're going to kind of dive into what we're going to talk about today, which is black and white. And, and one of the first things I share with them was just a different perspective. I said, what does what goes through your mind when a cop pulls you over for a traffic violation? What's what's the what's the worst thought that goes through your mind? And Dave, do you remember how you responded? You was like, I don't remember that one. I, yeah, I, yeah. He, Dave was like, um, how much is the ticket going to be? Right. And and yeah. and that was pretty much around the table. There they were thought, well, how, how can I get out of this ticket? Or how much is this ticket going to be? And they said, well, what, what do you think about it? I said, how do I get home alive? I remember you said that. And I remember that everybody got quiet. That was, that was like <laughs> freaky. That was freaky. It's like, really? Yeah, it's everybody like, got quiet. And I, and then I went on to describe, and, and, and trust me, every black man will understand what I'm about to say, but I went on to describe, it doesn't matter. I literally got stopped less than two miles from my own neighborhood. I mean, I'm going, well, shoot, it wasn't even two miles, probably like a mile, a little over a mile. And uh, my daughter was, was in the back seat. She was young at the time. She couldn't have been no more than seven or eight. Uh, my godmother, my wife's godmother was, was in the passenger seat and we were literally, we were, we, her, her house was the next street over. So that's how close we were at her house. I was dropping her off. Then I was headed to ours. Um, and I get, we get pulled over. And so as a black man, I've got, I started narrating what happens in my mind. So it's like, okay, all right, my kid's back there, but I, okay, I got, I got to get home alive. And so when the officer, I can see out of my rearview mirror and my side mirror, I can see the officer get out the car. And first of all, he takes his time. He runs his tag. I know my tag is clean. I know I have no, never been arrested, no warrants, no, none of that. He takes his time and does all that. Then when he gets out the car, he takes his gun out of the holster. Oh. And I'm watching this. His gun is out in the holster and now it's in his hand. And he's walking up to the car as if I was fleeing from him, right? You're right. And so then when he gets to the car door, he starts asking for like registration. And for me, here's how that goes. Officer, my license and registrations are directly in front of me on the dashboard. At your command, let me know when I can reach my left hand forward and grab them and pass them to you. And they were like, what? You do what? I was like, yeah, I have to narrate my every single move because he already has his gun drawn. So I'm, I'm my kid in the backseat. So I know if I move any subtle movements because he's already scared of me, even though he has no reason to be, if I get any subtle movements, that gun goes, that gun, that bullet doesn't have a name on it. So I've got to think through all that in a split second. And he's not saying this in a nice way. You know, he's, and then his next question is, what are you doing in this neighborhood? <laughs> I said, my godmother, who's to the right of me in the passenger seat, lives on the next street. I am dropping her off at home. Hmm. Okay, what kind of work do you do to live over here? Say I rob banks. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I mean, so so literally that's what's happening. And so I remember describing, I said, that's the kind of real thing I want to talk about. I said, that's my life, and that's the reality. And I said, we don't share that alike. So you got to understand when we come from the point standpoint of police brutality, dude, it's mental and physical. It's mental before we even every time we get pulled over, even for something as a traffic. 
we literally got to worry about life and death. Yeah. That's and ridiculous. It shouldn't be that way, but it is that way. And yeah. I said, let's talk about that. And that was our first deep conversation. You remember? Yeah, right. I do now. I do remember that. Well, because, and I remember, and I don't know if it was you or another black gentleman that said he traveled across Arizona or somewhere. And within a, a several hour period, he got stopped five or six times. And I thought, and he left his license up on the dashboard, yeah. just like you did. And I'm like, really? And it's like, that's that's so stupid. It's just, I don't know. It's sad. And that, that kind of stuff breaks my heart. Uh, see, I was raised in a small town in southern Indiana, and we didn't have any black folks in our town. It's a little town. Now, the neighboring town, they had uh, a few. But, but for the most part, my dad always said, he said, Dave, you know, we respect every person. Uh, I don't care who they are. You treat every person with respect. And so uh, that's just the way I was raised. And to hear those things today and, and see, I'm, you know, I'm 62 years old and, and, and it just, it breaks my heart because it, it's ridiculous. It's, it's so, such a tragedy that, that, you know, I don't deal with. Now we think, you know, when, a, when a cop stops us and, and they're, they're being rude and all that, we just think they're just being a jerk. Well, you know, you're seeing it. You're saying, no, they're being, you know, they're actually working out of a position of fear and, and anxiety and, and in a position of, yes, anything can happen now. And, and you know, I hate that. I just, it just drives me nuts to think about that. And, of course, you know the saying, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so you give some of these guys, I call them Barney Five. They, they yeah. you give them a badge and they think they're God and they can just treat anybody well, any way they want. And it's bull crap. I just and I think I think it's deeper than that, right? I think you're right. I agree with you on that. And I think the other reality is why here's the bigger question. Why are you afraid of me after you've already run my background? You know I have no prize, have never been in trouble. Exactly. At that point. That should remove your fear of me. So at so at this point, if you approaching me and you've withdrawn your gun, I pulled over immediately when you asked me to pull over. I'm not, then it you're 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 afraid of me. And so I can't think for the life of me of no other reason you're afraid of me other than that point, other than my size and my color. Right? Yeah. Yes. And so if you put I'm gonna always be black, if you put my size with it, then it's just a double whammy. And so I think um you are you're <laughs> intimidating, I guarantee you. You're you used to be a linebacker, right? I did. Yeah, I wouldn't want I was a tailback, and so I would run the football and guys your size, yeah, they were kind of scary. They yeah. <laughs> well, you know, but I think that's it. I think the guys that do that, the officers that do that could benefit from the conversation we're having, really. And I think they could benefit from having black friends. And I and I tell yes. black guys that you could benefit from having if we don't start talking about these things. Yeah, we're never going to get to a better place. Um, and even good, let me put it to you this way. Good black guys and good white guys that mean what I'm doing are still not talking to each other. And right. that's the problem too, because the people that can actually fix it, fix it, don't talk to each other. And so it's, it's so as we deal with the black and white of things, that's just one example in the black perspective, but we're going to deal with it. Yeah, and you can just name a topic and we, and we can deal with the black and white side of it. 
So, you know, Dave gave you the white side of what he thinks of when he's pulled over. I gave you the black side of what I think of. But let's let's go to another topic, Dave. So, you know, I just think about it. Um, uh, uh, before we are, <laughs> right, let's do this. Before we jump into another serious topic to talk about, I want to transition and talk about all the things that we sh- that are like about us. Because when people see us, right, if you just look at a visual test, it's clearly that we're different. <laughs> we come from a different worlds, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but if you actually got to know us, you realize they are so doggone similar. <laughs> so what talk about some of the things that that make black that black men and white men share that 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 are yeah. very similar sometimes, or yeah. in our case, that, that you and I share. And and I, I appreciate that, Leslie, because I um I see the media, I don't watch a lot of news uh because a lot of it's so negative and so divisive and so just just mean a lot of it is and i so i don't like like watching a lot my wife she always asked me hey dave did did you hear any news today i said well i don't watch the news i figure if it's bad enough you're going to tell me so (laughs) but uh with us us guys okay black and white men um you know there are so many things that we are alike and, and we share and and the media and news they tear us apart they they want to divide they want to divide people. They want to bring up things that are controversial or, 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 or mean and hateful. And they, and, and I think they, you know, they'll, they'll inject their own opinion or, or make a statements that get each other riled up and they'll make us mad at each other. And, and maybe it's something I didn't even say, or I did say, but I didn't mean it in a harmful way. So, um, I, th- I think the thing with me is, um, I just, I want us to just sit down and, and figure out, okay, what do we have in common? Well, number one, we're men, right? Okay. As men, we have guy problems. Okay. Um, yeah. We think like men. Okay. We think like, um, you know, we both played football. Okay. So we love sports and that's a cool uh, way. And, and we understand teamwork. You know, if you're in any kind of sport, unless it's a solo deal, like boxing, maybe, you know, but, if you're in a team sport, you learn quickly uh, that you can't win on your own. You've got to have each other. And if you don't work together, uh, some of my favorite movies, like um, remember Denzel Washington. Remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. One of my favorite movies. I love that movie. And 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 those guys went through struggles. And really, that's what this show is about. Mm-hmm. They went through struggles because they come from different backgrounds and all of a sudden they were slammed together and they had to, to either, you know, sink or swim or, or they were going to live and die if they don't didn't, didn't play as teammates and, and, and become a team. And with now with you and I, Leslie, we've done this voluntarily because we came together and we said, hey, we want to have genuine friendships. We want to have serious conversations. And we want the best for each other. How can we do that? How can we help each other, you know, uh, hold each other accountable or, or prod each other on or give each other ideas that make them, you know, make each other better. Um, Armando uh, Garcia. Okay. His great great was his granddad was a, a Mexican immigrant. Okay. And Armando is bilingual. Uh, he is uh, he's, he's built his own companies and done very, very well. And, and he's one of our four guys in the mastermind and, and he uh, speaks Spanish real well. And, uh, but one thing he was, he helped to edit my last book. It's called finishing on fire. 
living your legacy of purpose, passion, and prosperity. And it's on, of course, on Amazon, like you said. And um, and Armando was so kind uh, to say, hey, Dave, this really stinks. You need to fix this or whatever. He's a good editor. He read it, read through the book several times. But uh, but I think we need to look for the things in common. I know, Leslie, you want to write a book. There's so much in your head. You are so smart when it comes to technology. You blow me away when it comes to the finances and stuff, the credit and all that business you have you blow me away and you've got such value there to give to people. And I think we can highlight those things and we can complement each other. Uh, you know, you talk about these different programs on the computer and I'm like, well, I can turn the computer on, but, <laughs> but, but we have so much in common and, and, and we find out if you've been on any team, you've got to work together because you just can't do it all yourself. Um, and so I just, we've got to be smart. And, and I, I, I tell people, I said, you've got to learn from other people's mistakes because you'll never live long enough to make them all yourself. And so as we talk together, you can tell me things that you've done and, and it didn't work out. And so I learned from your mistake and I say, Oh, I don't want to do that. And that's how you, you help me. And then, or you talk to me about writing the books. And I say, listen, if a redneck like Dave Wadsworth can write multiple books, and even have an Amazon number one best-selling book, which is kind of amazing. Anybody can do it, but you just got to have the right, you know, guidance and 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 confidence, and 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 have a good story, which we all have. Right. And you you've got a lot to give. And and if you don't, in my opinion, it's a sin because people need the value that you have in your mind and your heart to give. And so you need to put it in a book, at least one book. And I'm going to help you do that, buddy. I'm telling you, we're going to get it. And I thank you for that. I really do. And that's the beauty of a mastermind, having people that push you. And when I say we push each other, it's not <laughs> always friendly. We sometimes just push each other off <laughs> to get a moving. And, and in fact, uh, Dave's charge to me this morning, his message was just so um, thoughtful. He didn't have to say anything else. I, I knew to take action. <laughs> and, so, and consequently, we're here today uh, recording this episode for you because here's the thing. We're doing it because we want to see the world different and in a better place. Yep. My life has had so much value added to it by knowing Dave and allowing him into my life. I would like to think that I've added a little bit of value into his. Oh yeah. And he would have to he would have to say that. But I but I know for a fact what value he's brought to me. And not only to me, my wife. And so it's about doing life together and really understanding. And so now. Um, Dave, when we jump back into the issue that we were talking about, what would you say your perspective was after hearing me just explain the traffic stop and what goes through my mind? How did that, how did that impact you? The, the fear, I think of my daughter. See, you've got a, a beautiful young daughter, Leslie, and she is so talented but I think of my daughter, Sarah, when she was, say, seven years old in the backseat of the car and, and maybe, a, a, you know, a mother-in-law or a godparent or someone sitting beside me, the fear uh, and the anxiety that you must be dealing with there as a, as a dad, it just it makes me sick. It, it, just, it just makes me sick. And it's hard to fathom you know, being in that situation, it's just a simple traffic stop. Okay. And 
and probably sounds like it's something that didn't need to happen anyway. Maybe it was some kind of bogus stop. Just a, a guy saw you and he's like, oh, he's a black guy. He's a big black guy. He shouldn't be here or, you know, whatever. And he's just he's just being a butthole. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. And 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 he makes every other police officer and every other white guy look bad. I'm guessing he was a white uh, cop. Yeah, he was. he was. He was a white guy. He's a young, young, uh, young white guy. Probably was newly on the force. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just that just makes me sick. Just think about that. You know, it just blows my mind. To be honest with you. I'm like, really. It's like, you know, it's, we're year 2020, you know, two, 23. And it's like, we've got crap like that. But, you know, I, I realize there will always be jerks, no matter what, especially you go back to the power thing. You know, you give somebody a badge or give them or like a coach or a teacher, give them authority. And a lot of times they think they're bigger than they are and, and they abuse their, their power. And I hate to see it in a, a teacher you know, mentally abusing, you know, students. I hate to see it in a coach that takes advantage of people. And I really hate to see it in a police officer because they are supposed to be public servants. But a lot of times they're self-servants. They're, they're, they serve their own attitude and their own ego. And and I struggle with that. I just, yeah. you know, I don't. I think, I think it's two types of situation. I think it's two types of officers. Because I want to first clearly say not all officers are bad. Not at all. Well, I hope um, not. <laughs> and, and, and I want to say I think it's two types of profiles. You have the person that's just ignorant and a jerk and there's nothing you can do to rehabilitate them. So they yeah. shouldn't be on the force at all. True. True. And then you have the person that's a young mind, that's young, impressionable, but they're not broad in their experiences and they probably don't have any diversity in their friendship, in their upbringing. And so they are fearful because remember, the only thing they've seen is what they've seen on TV, what they've seen. And you see the worst elements of somebody that looks like me. And so now they are fearful and they're reacting into anxiety. And the worst thing you can be as a police officer is, is fearful and have anxiety because you're going you're gonna to operate in a prejudice framework every time you get in that state and that's any of us anything you anything that we have anxiety about we're going to operate in a prejudice or a bias standpoint uh so we have to really really do a better job of profiling who we allow who's fit to be officers because not everybody's cut out to be an officer not everybody's cut out to do what you do or what i do I, um but it's about finding the right fit and having indicators that identify that thing and we don't just put people in positions where uh, they do more harm than good. Well, and here's the thing, Leslie, you're dealing with um, lethal force. You've got a person right. that has weapons, not not just one. I'm sure he's right. got weapons in ways that you could be gone just like that. It's, like, it's a life and death situation for somebody. Life and, like death. And, and that's not the same encounter with most citizens, you know, or people, you know, you go to government offices, you go to stores, retail shopping, or wherever you're at, interactions, you don't have that. But with a, a police officer, it's totally different. And, and they've got the power in their hands to literally end your life uh, and, and end your daughter's life or whoever. And, and it just, that you've got to really watch who that person is. And that's where you have to have the, the psychological screening and so forth. I've got a young man, 
I used to teach him. He was in my Sunday school class. I taught a high school Sunday school. And this young man, a uh, fine young man, he grew up and now he's in the military. I think he's in the Navy. He's a, a psychologist or psychiatrist, but he evaluates pilots uh, to mm -hmm. see if they would be uh, a good fighter pilot or if they would qualify. And he runs them through tests and they have to be sharp and they have to be, you know, I don't know, have to be aware of all kinds of situations because they got their finger on a trigger that will kill people uh, instantly, you know, thousands of people, you know, uh, at a time because they've got a fighter jet and, and he's got to evaluate and make sure that they're qualified uh, to be in that kind of position. And the same with the police. Now, I think, I think by far, this is my thinking, uh, the vast majority of police officers, good guys, you know, decent guys. Now, some of them, they all, we all have quirks and we're weird, but, but you're right. You got young guys that come on and, and, you know, they don't have the experience. I've noticed that older police officers, a lot of times they kind of mellow and they realize, wait a minute, right. you know, right. we're all, we're all they mature, you know, it's kind of like teenagers, you know, my, my son comes to me and he apologizes when he's like 25 or 26. He says, Mom and Dad, we're really, I'm really sorry because I realized as a teenager I was an idiot and I learned in college that my prefrontal cortex was not fully developed. <laughs> he said his brain, he said, my brain, my, my, uh, I'm trying to think what that does. Your decision making, you know, is not fully developed. And, and he said, yeah, I was kind of a jerk sometimes. And I said, yes, you were. But you know, one of the other things, a simple thing that, um, that can be done too is never put two young police officers in a car unit together, right? Exactly. You always have a more senior person that is a really, really good and meant for yes. training. And Perfect. sometimes we have the wrong people that's, that's the senior officer in training there because if your senior officer is not right, then oh. the younger officer is not going to be able to override, which is what we saw in the George Floyd debacle uh, yeah. and, and that are going on. So, guys, look, we have wrapped up our first episode of giving you a lot to think about, hopefully a lot to talk about with your friends. In the next episode, we're going to deal with this thing called defund the police and what it <laughs> actually means uh, from my perspective, what it means from Dave's perspective, and then we'll deal with what it really means, <laughs> what it technically means from the scientific term, because there's so much confusion to that. But we'll, we'll talk about when we hear the term, what we initially thought it meant uh, from our perspectives, and then we'll deal with what we've learned that it really actually means. And so, so you don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss the next episode. Share this episode with your friends. Again, you can find us on blackandwhitemantalking.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast, you will find us. So share with your friends, have discussions with your friends, uh, and join our conversation. We're going to be bringing you a new episode every week as we deal with, deal with this um, um, and making sure you stay fresh and dealing with any topics. And then uh, we will also provide in future episodes an email address and things for you. If you have suggested topics that you want Dave and I to talk about from a black and white men perspective, let us know. Get those topics into us and we'll certainly talk about it. And um, and if there's any guests you want to see that, that, that we bring on to kind of talk about it, we'll do that as well from time to time. But most of the time, Dave and I will tackle what issues and we're going to get into issues that and you will see that we practice what we preach. There'll be 
uh, topics and I'm gonna let Dave talk about it. Well, we will literally disagree on it, but we're gonna show you an example of how to disagree and not be disagreeable. Yeah. And so we, you will see, because we have dealt with it. I mean, we don't agree on everything. No. Uh, no and, we, and we don't run from it. We don't run from it. Yeah. So you're gonna see that as well. But I love this man uh, with all my heart and I know he loves you as well. This love is you too. man that drove 12 hours to visit me and my family. Uh, so look, but we get we get with it, man. We we <laughs> we get with it. So if you think it's gonna be cool all the time, then no, no. This is black and white men talking. This is real yeah. talk. So we have real emotions, real passions, and so this is hopefully will help you because it's been a blessing to us to be able to navigate life together and tackle these tough things together and be able to be more helpful. As he goes into his communities and I go into mine, we're empowered to be more helpful to make life changing impact for those that come behind us. And we hope you will join the movement of black and white men talking and help us change this world one conversation at a time. Dave, take us home. Hey buddy. Thanks, Leslie. Exactly. You, you were spot on because, um, you know, we worry so much about all this stuff that's going on that we can't control. 90% of the things that we worry about, we have no control over. And so why are we worried about them? Okay. 10% of the things that we worry about, well, we've got a little bit of control over those. So let's just get after them. Okay. And that's what we're trying to do. Okay. Don't worry about things that are out of our control and don't you, do things or worry about things that you can't control. But let me tell you what you can control. You can control your attitude and you can control your effort. And that's up to you. And you decide your attitude every day. You decide the effort that you put in every day. And 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 Leslie and I are going to show you the way as far as, you know, having a positive attitude, uh, putting in the effort and trying to make uh, each other better. Make us the best people we can be, the best men we can be, and thus our families are going to benefit and our communities will benefit. And that's that's what we want. That's what we want to do. And um, Leslie, I appreciate you, buddy. I love you, man. I appreciate everything. So I'm excited. Love to you too. Yeah, love you too. See us on the next episode, episode as we deal with defund the police. And guys, follow us because together, I truly believe we can change the world. Until next time, have a great one. Take care. Thank you.